Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmaski. Today I'm interviewing Jocelyn Wright. Jocelyn is the American College State Farm Chair for Women in Financial Services. She's also Assistant Professor of Women's Studies. Uh, she functions as the center's director and chief ambassador in leveraging research and education to create some broad awareness of the challenges and opportunities that pertain to women and financial services. So thank you very much, Jocelyn, for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So I know in your role, uh, one of the things that you do is you're responsible for a course called Marketing Financial Services to Women. For those of our audience, and even those that are, those that are and are not financial advisors, why would there need to be a class on marketing financial services to women? Isn't it the same as marketing financial services to men? Well, I think it's important that we recognize the different nuances in terms of how women relate to advisors, what their unique needs are. And so it is important that we have a course that will help advisors recognize that. So when it comes to, um, and again, we're not saying that it's one size fits all and women are this huge monolith. So, you know, it is important that as advisors we recognize and get to know our clients, male or female, to find out what is important and how they respond to different information. But the the course, Marketing Financial Services to Women, is just uh, providing data on what areas are uh, uniquely important to women and how, as advisors, we need to present that to them. So we know that, you know, as they say, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. There is certainly truth to that. And it's important uh, when it comes to our interaction with our male and female clients that we're providing the information that, that they need and listening in a way that's appropriate for, for our clients and making sure that they're getting the service uh, that they need from us as advisors. Yes. And what are some of the differences? So, you know, there's all sorts of um, information out there. I know that Sally Krawcheck started this uh, new investment firm called Elevest, and it's specifically to meet the investing needs of women. And, you know, so there, there's definitely some differences in the way that women and men think about finances. I've also interviewed people, uh, for instance, a woman from Rock the Street, Wall Street, who talks about how women don't necessarily know or even have an interest in some cases in learning about financial services in a way that would be helpful, or they feel like they haven't learned. So how does this happen? I mean, how does this get to a point where women and men are so different as it relates to um, investing and planning for the next things like retirement and things like that? Why do you think there, there are these differences between the way we think about money? A lot of it, I believe, goes back to how we raise our, our daughters and how we raise our sons. So how we treat young, uh, young boys and young girls when it comes to, uh, dealing with money. So, uh, I think we raise our, our young boys to know that they have to go out and earn a living. Um, these are certainly, you know, some of these things may be stereotypes, but, uh, at the end of the day, some of it certainly still holds true even in, you know, 2017. So um, there's this, this, you know, pushing girls to, you know, certainly in, in more cases, you know, giving them 
the right to have careers, but it's still sometimes looked at as, you know, you're going to get married, have a family, and then your responsibility will be to the family, not necessarily um, having the job, bringing home uh, the money and having to deal with the finances. So there are a lot of stereotypes that we still have to uh, to break in how we how we treat our girls and how we treat our boys. And then that you know we grow up to be adults, and a lot of that you know still lives with us if it's not properly dealt with as as we grow older. Right. And one of the things maybe that there's, you know, that there's all this talk about, you know, um, diversity and, and all of that, but yet some of the role models that we have as women maybe didn't, maybe they weren't doing all the things that we're doing. And so there are, there are some different ways that, that perhaps we were raised, but what is um, maybe a tip or something that you can share about maybe how women should educate themselves and think about money, maybe perhaps in a different way? Well, I think it's important that uh, women just recognize money is an important fact of life. So it's not something that we should uh, be intimidated by or be afraid of. I know sometimes uh, in, in working with clients and just talking to people in general, the thought of money makes people anxious, uh, whether it's I don't have enough or maybe I have too much and I don't know what to do with it. But it's important that we all recognize that we need money to operate on a day-to-day -day basis. So it is important that we, we understand what our income is, what our expenses are, so something, uh, just the basics of budgeting and know where we stand financially, knowing um, our net worth, what, what we own, who do we owe, and that then will help us understand how we need to be operating on a day-to-day -day basis with making sure that we're saving properly. So in the event that there's an emergency, do we have money set aside that if something comes up, I'm able to take care of it? Uh, and then certainly longer term when it comes to retirement and legacy planning. So how do we want to, uh, what do we want to leave behind for our, our family? What type of financial legacy do we want to leave? And it's important that you know, we have to have a clear understanding of where we are financially. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is, um, that's great advice. Changing gears here, Investment News Magazine recently recognized you as one of the 20 most influential women to watch in 2016. By the way, congratulations. I think that's absolutely amazing. Thank and you. so, yeah, you're welcome. So I think as it relates to that, you know, you've done a lot in your career, but is there one thing or something that stands out that you're really proud of that, um, that has caused some change and, and, and allowed you to you know, be influential in this industry of financial services? Well, I, right now, the project that I'm working on at the American College is something that I am extremely excited about because of the potential impact that it can have not only in our industry, but also in the financial lives of individuals. And the African American Scholarship Initiative that we've recently launched has the ability to, I mean, just when I think of the impact that it can have, I just, you know, I get excited and, and it gives me chills that the college uh, recognizes the need to have 
more African-American financial advisors in the industry, not just for the sake of, uh, for diversity's sake or to, you know, get publicity around it, but the impact that it can have on families. So it, it, we're not saying that uh, one group only will work with financial advisors that are just like them, but we know that there is a huge uh, wealth gap between African-Americans and, and whites. And so if we are going to in some way help to affect change and close that gap, having more African-American financial advisors who would uh, have the potential of working with African-American clients and families can help in a way to uh, close that gap. It won't be overnight, but anything that we can do to take a step in that effort uh, will certainly have a tremendous impact. And I'm extremely excited about it and, and proud to uh, be able to work so closely on this initiative. Well, that's absolutely amazing. And, and I love that, you know, your first comments, even about the idea of diversity. So why are we doing this for African-Americans? Um, a lot of times there's skepticism around diversity initiatives. Oh, well, they're just set there to reach a mark or it's publicity for the organization or it's this or it's that. And I love the way that you talk about the real meaning and value behind why we we need more African-Americans in the financial services industry. And by the way, in other industries as well, but, you know, but, but the meaning and the longstanding effect that that may have is, is pretty powerful. That that's great. Yes. And, you know, uh, we are looking to build a coalition uh, recognizing that the college's efforts won't do it uh, alone. We've established what we're calling a moonshot goal of helping to double the number of African-American advisors over the next 10 years. So right now that number stands just about, you know, eight to nine percent, depending on, you know, who you're, what statistics you're looking at. But if we can see that number, you know, 16% doesn't seem like a huge amount, but that is doubling the number of, of African-American advisors. So we are looking to uh, target students who are in that beginning stage of making career decisions, also uh, those who are career changers. So they may have worked for a company or been in a career for some time and are looking for something different or a fresh start. And I think that the opportunities uh, for financial advisors are tremendous. And uh, when I think of the impact that financial advisors have on the lives of everyday individuals um, and communities and families, it, it's tremendous. So I think it's a great career and one that uh, we all need to be building much more awareness around and, you know, speaking to students and other professionals about the opportunities that are available. Yes, I, I think that when there are numbers that are low of a certain type of person in an industry, so for instance, women in tech, STEM, you know, African Americans and, and, and women in financial services, I think a lot of that goes back to, again, what we talked about in the very beginning, which is, it might be part of the way we were brought up. Do we look at this as a career? Um, have we looked at this as a career or you know, because when when you're 30 years old and you say, well, or you're right out of college at 22, say, so what should I do with my life? Um, a lot of times people aren't thinking about financial services, um, especially if they haven't been 
it hasn't been talked about. It hasn't been, they don't have role models in that particular situation. And so what are you guys doing in the school situation? Is it colleges or is it high schools? Um, or is it even below that to be able to help people start to think about this as a career? Because I think there's a real model there for other industries that are looking to get more people that they don't have. And how do you do that? And I think it starts when people are young. Right. So it will be a very broad effort. So while um, in order, you know, for the scholarships, you're, you're going to be older, a student, either, you know, graduating or someone who's in school looking for its career choice, but it will take um, going into high schools, middle schools to really have a, a, a grassroots groundswell of an effort. So there's truth to the saying that says you can't be what you can't see. So even when we think about uh, women in the industry, African Americans and other underserved, underrepresented communities, when I, I teach a, um, do a, a class sometimes, and when I say if you Google financial advisor uh, and do, do Google images, the pictures that come up will largely be of white men. And that's not uh, a knock on white men. It's just that we know that's what the industry, the profile of the average advisor in the industry. And so if we are going to see that change, we have to represent that. So if a young woman or a young African-American student is thinking, oh, well, I heard financial advisor, let me just Google it because that's what people do now and see what that's all about. They may see those images and think, oh, well, that's not for me because I don't see anyone that looks like me. So, you know, unless they had a personal uh, relationship with someone who was an advisor, that could be an immediate turnoff. So we have to uh, gradually begin, and I would even say, <laughs> I call myself a disruptor. So even, you know, forcefully in some cases change what the face of the industry looks like because there is more than enough room and more than enough opportunity for there to be a, a more diverse uh, pool of financial advisors. So it's not as if we're taking anything away from anyone or any group. It's just that we're making room for more people to be served uh, because we know that there's a huge underrepresentation of potential clients who aren't being serviced for one reason or another. Right. And so going into the schools, teaching financial literacy, uh, financial education to young people so that they can have a conversation because no one it would sort of fill the shoes of being a financial advisor if they don't personally think that they have their finances in order or have a clear understanding. So it's going to start with education and awareness. Right. And I don't think this is to, you know, this certainly isn't to say, well, the white men aren't doing a very good job as financial advisors. They're doing an extraordinary job as financial advisors, but it's building the industry. And I think the average age of a financial advisor today is 59 or 60 years old. They're getting towards retirement and they do happen to be quite a few white men. But the idea is we need to build this industry and broaden it because when there's financial strength and financial independence amongst the people, amongst all of us, um, we're just we're just stronger. We're stronger as communities. We're stronger as states. We're stronger um, just in general. And so I think that this this effort that you're working on is is absolutely is absolutely amazing. So thank you for your work there. No, it, I again I never thought I couldn't have imagined this. So you know it's definitely an honor for me to be involved, and I'm look, looking forward to you know building it, um, working with 
my colleagues at the American College and partners from other um, academic institutions, professional organizations and associations, it's really going to be a collective effort uh, in order to, to see this come to fruition. And I'm, I'm extremely excited about it. Yeah, that's great. So on a personal note, um, I see that you have completed or you're currently completing the 50 states challenge where you are running a half marathon in every state in the United States. Is this true? Is this actually true? Yes. yes. <laughs> so how many states have and you done so far? <laughs> I um, finished 2016, I finished my 20th state. So uh, I did Massachusetts. So that was a lot of fun. No, I'm sorry, that was New Hampshire. And so uh, it was a goal that I set a couple of years back. And, you know, what am I going to, I'll be turning 50 in 2020. So what can I do to kind of keep the enthusiasm? And, you know, I, I'm trying to stay as, as active as possible. And so I uh, knew a few other running friends who were doing it and said, this will be good. I'll, I'll do the 50 stage challenge leading up to my 50th birthday and have, you know, a big race. I want to finish in Hawaii. So I'm looking forward to planning the big 50th race in Hawaii. So it's been a lot of fun. The running community is an awesome community. I've met so many wonderful people uh, locally here in Philadelphia, which is my hometown, and uh, even individuals across the country, you'll, you'll meet them. And, and runners are just great. You know, there's we have a lot of fun. So it's, it's been fun, all of the races, despite, you know, what the weather conditions may be. Uh, I always leave races thinking I must be crazy, but then when I'm finished, I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I have done a few half marathons and a few marathons, and never in my wildest dream did I think I would want to do 50, one in each state. It's a lot of work. The training is a lot of work. Um, and you're right. You've got to have that that mental focus, like, okay, I'm going to actually do this. And then when you do it, it's like, Hey, it wasn't so bad, <laughs> but yeah, right. absolutely. So mile, like between mile, probably six to, you know, nine, you're thinking I'm crazy. Why did I do this? Or probably even earlier, but then, you know, from 10 on, you're just like, okay, it's just a 5k. Well, we can do this. We can do this. And so you get excited, you finish up and, you know, you get your medal and you're ready to go on and, and say, what's the next date? So <laughs> it's fun. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So how can people reach you at the American College or on social media? How can people find out more about some of the work you're doing as well? Sure. If you go to the American College website, it's theamericancollege.edu. Um, that is uh, the college's site. And then I am, you go to our Centers of Excellence. I am one of five Centers of Excellence, the Women's Center. You'll be able to get information about the Women's Center and the work that we're doing there. And social media, my Twitter handle is Jocelyn D. Wright. Well, wonderful. Thank you, Jocelyn, so much for uh, joining us on the Female Insight Zone today. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.